Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is the weekly show where we talk about all things money and finances and where we furnish you with information so that you can make the best financial decisions possible. So if you want to be better with money, you want to purchase your first home, you want to learn about investing, where to begin, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe. I'm so thrilled to have you here. So without further delay, let's get into this week's show. Hey guys, it's Pete. Welcome back to another episode of the Conversation of Money podcast. I hope you guys had an amazing weekend. Now, I'm just going to jump right in here because I am excited about today's episode. I've been excited about this now for maybe two or three weeks, and there are reasons for this. First and foremost, I have a guest joining me today from a provider that I've always wanted to sit down and have a conversation with. And this provider is forward thinking. They have revolutionized a topic that I am extremely passionate about. And if you follow me on IG, you will know what that topic is. I can speak about it for hours and hours and hours, purely because I've had a very personal experience with this. I watched my dad, age 57, maybe 58, be really, really worried that he did not have this in place. And so this for me is very, very close to my heart. And I hope by the end of this podcast, that from everything that you're going to hear in this conversation, that you'll take one action point away. And the action point away is, maybe I should just think about this. I am joined by the Chief Marketing Officer of Pension B. Now, Pension B are a pensions provider that has been around since 2014. What they've achieved in the pensions arena is nothing short of phenomenal. They have simplified pensions, they've simplified how you interact with them, how you invest, how you set one up, how you transfer things over. They now have 277,000 customers in the UK and they manage 700 million pounds for their customers. I'm joined by Jasper Martins. Welcome, Jasper. Hi, guys. Hi, Peter. Uh, nice, to, nice to join you all. <laughs> it's really nice to have you here, Jasper. Um, like I said, I've been excited about this episode for a number of weeks when I knew that Rachel confirmed that you were happy to come on. And for me, I'm very, very passionate about, about pensions. It's something that I speak a lot about and I always get lots and lots of questions. So having a provider come on to have a conversation that people can kind of eavesdrop on and you can share some of what you're finding at the moment, working in the industry as a provider and working with people on a one-on-one basis, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So thank you. Great. No, it's, 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 it's a pleasure to be on. Um, I think for many people, pensions is always some, one of these like difficult topics or financial products quite difficult to tackle. So anything we can do to make it easier and simple to understand uh, for everybody uh, listening to the podcast, uh, that's kind of like a big tick box for me today. (laughs) Fantastic. Before we get started, why don't you just give everyone kind of a view of Pension B, why the business started in the first place, where you are right now, the kind of clients that you tend to work with, just give people a general feel. Yeah. So uh, like you said, Pension B was founded in 2014. We are an online pension provider um, and we are helping you to combine your pensions from your previous jobs into a new online plan so you can manage that on your phone or at any device you like. Um, And we provide you with uh, an online pension Um, and you can see how much you've saved. You can contribute, pay money in, but also when you are 55 years or older, you can also take money out. And everything we do, we're trying to make pensions, making it as simple as possible for you to engage with your pension, but also to understand and plan for your retirement. 
Um, so yeah, so it was founded in 2014 by our co-founder, Romy Savova. Uh, she um, actually experienced uh, pension troubles herself when she's trying to move a pension from her previous jobs in, to a new place. And she was baffled by the amount of paperwork and how complex a pension transfer potentially can be. Mm. She had to send in an original copy of her, uh, uh, a certified copy of her passport over to the provider. Mm. All of these really outdated uh, processes. And she thought, actually, we can do much better than that. And that's what she did. And now we are, like you said, we've got uh, more than 275,000 customers actually started an account with us. We have now have close to 80,000 people are actively transferring their pensions over to us. Wow. Um, yeah, we also now with over 100 people at Pension Bay. So in those couple of years, we've grown quite quickly. Um, and I'm, you know, everything we do every single day is, and that's what gets me out of my bed and into work every day, is how can we make this simpler? Because it's still very difficult for many people to understand how pensions work in the UK. Yeah, I think I would definitely um, agree with you on that because I, I did a stint in Canary Wharf working for an investment house that had a pensions offering. And we used to work predominantly with financial advisors transferring clients' pensions over. But you're right, the process to it is very, very, very long-winded. And in actual real fact, my partner is currently in the process of transferring her pension to you guys. And we sat down and we did it probably about a week or so ago. And yet the, the process is extremely simple to find. Even if you have all pension pots where you need to go and trace where it's from, the guidelines that you guys give are very, very clear, very, very concise and easy to follow. So on the, on the subject of keeping things simple, I think a lot of people automatically assume that pensions are complicated and they have this uh, this misconception that perhaps it's a waste of time i'm not going to contribute into my pension because i won't be able to access it until i'm 55 it's years away for me let me ask you what would you say is the best amount or the starting point in terms of how much you should save into your pension if you are sort of in your late twenties, early thirties right now? So again, the, the question about how much you really need to save into a pension really depends on your circumstances and how much you can actually put away. Uh, but maybe I can give you some ballpark figures that mm -hmm. help you and also the, the listeners a little bit uh, on, the, on, the, on the right track. So Consumer Group Rich uh, calculated that uh, a joint household income at retirement, so when you're 65 or older, um, if you've got £26,000 a year in retirement as a couple, uh, that would cover your living expenses. Or if you really want to go on that luxury cruise or that exotic holiday, you need to get roughly around £39,000 a year. Um, if um, if th that, that is the roughly the, the, the kind of pot you need to aim, the kind of income you need to aim for. So um, that means that depending on the calculation, depending on how you look at it, a pension pot of maybe £500,000 or even £700,000 would give you uh, a decent uh, retirement or a, a retirement income every year. Now, you think, wow, that is a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm currently looking at like £1,500 or £2,000 in my current workplace pension. Do not despair. Um, in order to get there, most experts argue that if you can put away 15% of your income every month, 
um, and do that over the course of your working life, you will start to get pretty close to the actual pension pot you need. Um, and then also uh, you might think, oops, 15%, that is a lot of money. I'm not going to be able to spend every month. Again, if you think about it very closely, your employer will probably already contribute uh, 5 or even 7% um, uh, of your income uh, uh, monthly. So you only have to match it. Well, I would say only, but you have to match it by that 7 or 8 or maybe 10%. And then you should be able to get at that level. Now, if you would do that the rest of your life, uh, you will start to get pretty close to that, um, uh, to that retirement goal you've set out to do. Um, so that's the kind of like long-winded answer. Um, I think what's really important if, is that you get on the website, mm. look at a retirement calculator, type in the actual pension pop, uh, amount you already have, uh, start playing around with some of the sliders and the buttons like Pension B have one on our website, but there are lots of other calculators around. It really helps you to understand, okay, you know, when you're 25 years old, you have a lot of time. Um, you only might need to put a couple of hundred pounds a month into a pension. But when you really uh, are in your 40s, you might be looking at maybe seven, eight, nine hundred or a thousand pounds a month mm -hmm. you have to put in order to get to that, to that level of uh, income you want at retirement. Um, the calculates also lets you play with the age. Like you can retire at 65, but maybe you want to retire at 70 or at 60. Mm -hmm. And really getting grips to a calculator like that can start to understand and answering the question for yourself in terms of how much you really need. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I look at pensions, particularly for people who are sort of mid-20s, I always talk about the fact that the earlier you start, the better it is going to be for you because you've got that longer investment time. Yeah in order to be able to get to the pot size that you basically need. And putting the numbers to it in terms of 26,000 pounds, that's 39,000 pounds if you wanna go on that luxury cruise every single year, that I believe puts a target on a date, if that makes any sense. Because I think oftentimes when people think about retirement, they just think about, well, I won't be working, so I need money. But there is always a question of how much money do you need when you retire in order to live at a certain level of a li of a lifestyle that you're accustomed to. Now, I think those numbers are very, very useful in terms of helping people gain a good idea of what that picture might look like for them. So, I mean, in, in your experience, does that, do, do those numbers include things like state pension? Because you're right, you know, your, your employer, if you're in an auto-enrollment scheme or workplace pension scheme, will contribute on your behalf. But do those numbers take into consideration things like state pension as well, or is that excluding state pension? So that's excluding your state pension. So um, that 15%, like, rough estimate, um, again, take it with a pinch of salt, because, again, it really depends in terms of how much you want to have at retirement, Mm -hmm. uh, and also how much you can miss every month. But if you put that 15% as a ballpark figure in, that's made up of your employer contributions, so how much mm -hmm. your boss pays into your pension and what you put in yourself, it excludes the, 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 the state pension. Mm -hmm. um, and um, But the figure I've mentioned from, from which, which was the £26,000 as a couple for a basic uh, income at retirement or the luxury cruise £39,000, that is uh, including the state pension, okay. which is roughly around 150, 160 pounds a week. 
Yeah, I mean, because I think that makes a huge difference as well, because what you're essentially putting on there is, you know, if, you know, state pension being at the levels that they are currently right now, that means that you, the extra gap that you need to make up in terms of your actual contributions actually isn't that vast in terms of your monthly contributions when you calculate that back. So that's a, that's a really good insight from that point of view. One of the questions I always get asked from, from my followers, and this is a common theme now, is what's the difference or what is the advantage and disadvantage of going for property over a pension? And I always respond, well, you've got tax efficiencies and stuff, but it will be interesting to get your views around your thoughts in that argument of pensions versus property. I would never tell you let's go for pensions only or uh, let's go for property only. And I think, again, it it really depends uh, in your personal circumstances. However, there are a couple of things just to look out for when you are looking at property versus pensions. Uh, First of all, when you are buying a property, renting out a property or selling property, there's often taxes required to pay. Mm -hmm. So you talk about um, uh, capital gains tax, income tax, um, inheritance tax, for example, if you pass property over. So um, I think just bear that in mind. It's not just about the pound signs in your eyes when you are looking <laughs> at potential income uh, that you yeah. get, from the property, but you actually have to pay tax on them. Yeah. Um, and contrary to that on pensions, you clearly don't. When you are paying money into a pension, you're actually getting tax relief. Mm-hmm. So it's from the government for every contribution you make. So um, that is basic rate income tax, if you're a basic rate tax income uh, uh, payer. But if you are a higher earner, you actually get more relief. So that's all that money poured in, um, plus you get the tax uh, top up. Mm-hmm. And then when, when you get to the age of 55 and you want to take money out, the first 25% of that is, again, tax-free. So mm-hmm. I would say on property, although there can be, you can generate uh, some nice income from that, and that might be a really good way, uh, you do have to pay tax, while mm-hmm. on pensions, you often get tax back or you get relief. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the first big difference between the two. Um, the other thing is, uh, when you have a property, let's say in, um, um, say, Birmingham, um, it will be in Birmingham, and uh, you are susceptible to the local property market mm-hmm. as it develops, it can go up, it can go down. Yep. Now, when you invest in a pension, you're not just investing in one particular house or one particular company in this particular thing, you're actually investing in lots of different companies. So we call that diversification. So you are investing maybe hundreds or thousands of different companies at one given time, all across the world, not just in Birmingham. Mm -hmm. So all across the world. And what that means is that when things get a bit rough in Japan, maybe things get a little bit better in um, Argentina. Yep. Or when um, um, stock markets, like recently with COVID-19, took quite a bit of a nosedive, mm-hmm. bonds actually held up pretty well. So when you're investing in a pension, and this is the one to look out for when you are selecting a pension fund, make sure it's a globally diversified pension plan. Mm-hmm. So you are able to offset any losses with something else potentially. So yeah, sure. yep. that's the second big thing, that it is definitely... Um, um, say less of a risk you are mitigating your risks better with a pension compared to a property somewhere in one place in the uk yeah yeah i think those those are all valid points i think um often it does go amiss that 
the government actually gives you tax relief, so gives you money back when you make contributions into your pension. And I don't think a lot of people believe that, but it's like, if you, you're right, if you are a higher rate taxpayer paying over 20%, you essentially get more back. So in the long run, what that effectively means is that you can pay less into your pension, but get more from the government at an equal rate than what, well, compared to basically if you were a basic rate payer paying 20% tax, for example, and these are great incentives, the tax-free cash, when you get to 55, a quarter of your pension pot, that's quite a significant sum for a lot of yeah. people as well. Yeah, if you are if you are um, putting um, so for example when you are making a contribution at pension B we are make we are claiming that basic rate tax relief back a lot of pension companies will do that but we mm -hmm. actually make it visible in the app or on the mm -hmm. website so when you put let's say you put a thousand pounds in you get two hundred fifty pounds put on top instantly um, and that will be visible and with what we've seen with our customers if they see that they're like wow <laughs> where did uh, that come from. <laughs> Where did that come from? And then yeah. they start to realize this is actually your tax benefit. So yeah. people then start, what we see people contributing more because there is, it's a, it's a great tax efficient way to save for retirement in that sense. I always say that <laughs> I ask the question that when, when is the government ever going to give you free money? pensions is where they're going to give exactly. you money it is unheard of i mean yeah. covid19 right now we're going to pay this back in tax in some way shape or form but yeah. it's the only time that the government physically gives you free money so it's it's a great yeah. reason to really have a look at, at at pensions and again i think you made a great point in terms of the property side of things yes building a property portfolio is, is is a great thing for a lot of people but i can guess when you have a property portfolio of a certain size and i've worked with a number of people is you really need to get the right people around you in terms of accountants and stuff like that to manage yeah. that side to things um for you as well but they there are clear advantages on both sides it's understanding yes. based on your circumstances which one works best for you or how you get the balance between the two right the other question that I also have, and this is on consolidating pension, because I know this is something that you guys do, and you've actually streamlined the process so it's easy for people to do. And my partner's going through this process right now where she's moving two or three pensions from previous employers um, to you guys, so it's in one place. I wonder if you can just talk through what that actually looks like on your side and, and what success you're seeing with people using that process as well, please. So... When you are consolidating your pensions, what you're basically doing is um, you're getting all of the pensions from your previous jobs all together in one new online plan. Um, we are moving jobs more than ever. Mm -hmm. So I'm, like, if you look at your parents, they might have had maybe one or two employers. We will end up with, on average, 11 different employers yeah. throughout our career, whether that's ourselves or working for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So having all of these pots uh, dotting around is not very handy. Um, so there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of uh, advantages why you should consolidate those. First of all, easy management. Mm -hmm. You don't tell eleven pension providers, "Hey, I've moved house." Or, no, you don't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> don't, you don't. And and um, 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 so people don't do that. So pension providers don't know where you live. Um, the other thing is when you are reaching fifty five and you want to take money out drawdown, it's called, you actually have to notify all 11 pension providers that you've mm -hmm. taken money out of one of the pots. That's not really handy either. So actually bringing that all together in one plan is really easy for management. So I think that's one advantage. Mm -hmm. um, and pension B, uh, how that works is you only have to really give us the name of the provider um, and your name and national insurance. And that usually is enough to get started. 
if you even don't know the name of your pension provider, we have a database. So you just tell us which employer you have. Mm-hmm, and if mm-hmm. we, we can tell you that is Aegon or Scottish Widows or whatever the provider yeah. is. And then you can get the transfer started. Um, if you have all the information, so your name, your national insurance number, your provider name, and the policy number, it means we can often transfer it quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, if the provider is digital, uh, 70% of the transfers in the UK are done electronically, mm-hmm. then two to three weeks should be all right. Um, when it's a paper, sometimes in 30% of the cases, a provider is uh, steam-powered um, <laughs> or paper-based, and they yeah. with transfer forms, it can take up to six months. Uh-huh. But uh, in most cases, you will find that if you've got all the information at hand, it's actually a really straightforward process. Um, and a pension, like I said, um, that is a fi- that's a five-minute sign-up process. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all it takes. And then your personal beekeeper, your customer success manager, um, they will actually initiate all the transfers. And they might also tell you, actually, in this case, you need to call this provider because they still have a really old address from you. Just call them. This is the number. Um, so we just tell you the steps you need to take. So it's taking you by the hands in that, in that sense. Can I just say as well, because my partner is going through that process right now. I actually do. You mentioned something there that I was surprised she got an email that quick. So we did it, uh, I think it was last week. I think it was like Monday or something like that. We did it and we did it in the morning. And I think in about an hour, an hour and a half, probably even less than that, she got an email from someone from Pension V to say, look, um, we noticed that you're looking to transfer this pension pot over. Um, and because she's now self-employed and we were transferring one of our nest ones as well, they then gave a, a few pointers to say it might be worthwhile you keeping it open just so that you, so it, it's, it's not entirely yeah. closed and gave her a few pointers. And I thought that was really, really important because if you don't work in the industry or work in the pensions arena, you're not to know these kind of things. So the fact that you guys get back to people that quickly with some pointers, I think is really, really good in terms of utility. That's good to hear. But again, you're highlighting a reason why you should not move a pension at mm-hmm. a particular in time. So for example, in this case, um, she was still expecting payments from her old employer into that pension pot. Yeah. Sometimes it can take a few months. Mm-hmm. So uh, we will we will see that and then we'll notify you. So then we will set, basically what we will then have said um, uh, to your partner is, shall we transfer it once it's all done? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and that's, that, that's one of the reasons why you might not want to consolidate that particular pension. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the other like benefits, uh, like I said about easy management, uh, also consolidating isn't a scary thing. Um, like you, like we're taking you by the hand if necessary, mm-hmm. uh, we tell you where to go if something might not be completely 100% in check. Uh, so that, that's, that's definitely a myth that's going around. It's really hard and it's mm-hmm. really difficult. It isn't. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we're making it as easy as possible. Um, the other thing to bear in mind when you consolidate and one of the benefits is that you are likely to see a lower fee. Um, the reason is that, especially when you have really old pensions, let's say from 10, 15 years ago, sometimes these management charges, like every pension costs money, yeah, they, yeah. Charge, they might be one and a half or 2% on a pension fund. And a modern pension, so whether it's Nest, whether it's Pension B, whether it's any other modern pension, uh, is often, uh, uh, well, workplace pensions are kept at 0.75%, mm. but often lower. So you're actually saving a lot of cost of managing your, mm-hmm. your money. Um, and the other thing uh, to bear in mind is um, um, that, aside from lower fees and easy management, is that uh, you can pick 
you have the choice of picking a fund or a pension that fits your needs. Mm -hmm. So for example, you can move all of your pension into a more uh, ethical uh, plan. So, yep. you, so, so your money moves, to, your money also serves a particular purpose. Yeah. Um, at Pension B, we have a Sharia plan. So if you want to invest it according to Sharia principles. So I think that's the third thing to bear in mind. But I, I do want to say, um, and this is often, and you know, your financial uh, uh, advisor and expert in this case, um, sometimes you shouldn't. Absolutely, so, yep. Yeah, so for yep. example, um, sometimes, especially with all the pension plans, there are exit fees. Mm -hmm. Now, we will tell you at Pension B if we find one, um, but it's, you know, they can really eat into your pension pots. We've seen sometimes exit fees up to like 90% and you're like, no <laughs> yeah. way. So you really, it really, it's like in one or 2% of cases we come across them, but mm -hmm. if they're there, they can be substantial. So just bear that in mind. The other thing that's more common, especially again, if you're lucky to have one, uh, it's a pension with safeguarded benefits. Uh -huh. So final salary pension, yep. something that a pension care company guarantees you um, uh, when you retire. Now, anything that is guaranteed by a company is very valuable. So you need Indeed. to be carefully if you uh, want to keep that guaranteed. So if you move a defined benefit pension or a final salary yep. pension, to a company like Pension B or any other new pension provider, you are likely, highly likely to give up those guarantees. Mm -hmm. um, and you should think twice in doing so. Yeah. Um, and um, when we, again, at Pension B, when we spot one, one of those guarantees, we will tell you. Mm -hmm. um, so you're not just automatically transfer a really valuable uh, pension away. Uh, so you're giving up of that benefit. So it's really... Yeah, I think when it comes to exit fees and those safeguarded benefits, it's really important that you um, bear that in mind before you consolidate. Absolutely. I mean, I think it, it's very, very rare now. I mean, the new pension schemes are all defined contributions, which means that you know how much is going to be contributed into the pot. So you know it's going to be £200 from your employer, £250 from your employer. So that contribution is defined, a defined benefit, which is knowing what income you're going to get at the back end when you retire, those things are gold dust now. They do not exist. So if you have one, you are one of the lucky people who have, who still has something that is very, 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 very rare. I wish I had one. <laughs> <laughs> Me and you both. Me and you both. I actually... Yes. Unfortunately, I'm not as lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I worked in financial services now for 15 years. My first role was with a building society for Portman that I moved over to Nationwide. And um, back then, I was young, and I didn't contribute into a pension. And I think about maybe three, four years ago, I thought, well, let me just go back and have a look and see if I do have one. Because I then found out that actually, they definitely had a defined benefit scheme. And lo and behold, I didn't opt in. So I don't have one. Oh. I, wish that I, I wish that I did, but I do not. So, you know, these yes. things are really, really precious. And well, actually, it's, it's really interesting. They said, like, I didn't opt in. Mm. I guess you didn't opt because you wanted to have a bit more cash uh, on your monthly uh, income. And that's something that I can't stress like highly enough, like you have to opt in to your workplace pension. Not opting in, no matter what age, especially when you're young, we see quite a few people not opting in or they're opting out mm -hmm. because they just want to get the extra 50 or 100 pounds uh, a month in mm -hmm. as income. The problem is that um, your employer is 
uh, when you put in when you put money into your workplace pension, your employer also puts money in. So when you opt out, you are losing that free money from mm-hmm. your employer. Yep. So you're not saving in. Like if if your employer puts five percent in and you're putting five percent in, that's ten percent every mm-hmm. month added to your pension pot. Yep. If you're opting out, you're not just saving yourself five percent. You're actually bleeding an extra five percent. Yep. Yeah, your boss doesn't have to pay that anymore, and that's something many people forget still. So yeah, uh, if you are opted out and you're listening to this podcast, please promise me to do one thing. Go back to your HR department and opt into your workplace pension from tomorrow. And if possible, um, a lot of companies will actually um, um, increase their contribution if you increase your contribution. So if your employer puts 5% in, you put in 5%, let's, let's just give that example. Um, some employees will say, well, actually, Jasper, if you put in 7%, we, we also will raise that from 5 to 7%. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Your pension goes from 10% to 40% mm-hmm. by doing that. And over time, that makes such a big difference. And I, I'm, I'm going to echo what you just said there, because what you, me not opting in and what you mentioned there is because the reason I didn't opt in was because I wanted the extra money. And I had this conversation with my partner last week. She didn't opt in. There were two um, places that she worked. One of them offered a defined benefit and she did not opt in. And when I asked why, well, I had a flat, I had to pay the bills and I was earning just enough money to get by and have a little bit of pocket money. And the reality is you may feel that you're going to miss that money and you may in the short term, but the benefit you're going to get in the long term is going to be huge. It will make a massive, massive difference. So please, 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 if you're listening to this and like Jasper said, you're not opted in to your workplace pension scheme, go and do that tomorrow. And I think it's really important. Maybe you can give an explanation on this in terms of what auto-enrollment is, because we have mentioned it in, in passing beforehand um, in this podcast, but can you just explain what that actually means for the listeners? Because you're right, it is free money, but I don't think that that resonates clearly enough with many people who think about pensions in that way. Okay, so auto-enrollment came into 20, uh, from 2015, um, and what it means is that every employer in the UK uh, needs to offer you uh, a pension, a workplace through work, so a workplace pension. And um, that means that um, they will, your boss will pay into your pension and you will pay into your pension. And from an initial low level, uh, they, they are gradually starting to increase those contribution levels. So your boss pays in and you pay in, and that will go towards your retirement. That is what an alter enrollment or workplace pension means. Mm. Um, the benefits of uh, alter enrollment is that everybody will now save for retirement because before alter enrollment, some companies offered a pension, others didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people offer, some companies offered a really nice pension, like the, the gold-plated defined benefit pension mm-hmm. we just talked about, and others just didn't do anything. Um, so, uh, and I remember my first job here in the UK, I did got a pension. Um, and I was wise enough to opt in, but actually looking back at it, it was, it wasn't really a very good pension as mm. in contribution levels and the fees I had to pay. All the enrollment has all standardized everything. Mm. So, uh, normally your management charge on your pension, an all enrollment pension is capped at 0.75%. So 
they can't charge you more, um, so it's not that expensive. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's goes, it all goes automatically. You don't really have to think about it. Your boss pays in and you automatically pays in from your income every month before you're getting paid. So that's what an auto-enrollment pension is. Um, you actively have to opt out if you don't want to participate uh, in the workplace scheme. Now, one of the things that is really interesting is that if you don't opt in that workplace pension, you lose that contribution your boss would have paid into your pension. So that can range anything between 5 to 10%, or some yeah. employees even put in more. Uh, that's free money. Um, mm-hmm. You're not getting it back through, through the back door through your boss. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. So auto-enrollment has actually meant a pay rise for later. That's how yeah. I look at auto-enrollment. Your boss pays you more. So on the consolidation side of things, another point that I just wanted to touch on was I have a lot of friends who are self-employed and currently not paying into a pension, but they have worked for other businesses in the past. And I talk about, look, just get all your pensions in one place and just see what you've actually got as a good practice. Do you work with a lot of, you find a lot of your clients are self-employed or? Yes, I would argue, I think a third of our customer base is self-employed. Okay. Uh, in our case, up until now, uh, you can only uh, uh, join Pension B where you can consolidate your other pots. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are uh, op- offering a, a more more flexible self-employed pension very soon. Okay. Where you can start from scratch. But most people will actually have accrued pensions from previous jobs. Um, so what's interesting there is, first of all, 18% of the self-employed in the UK are paying into a pension, mm. which is shocking. It's not eight zero, it's one eight. Mm-hmm. Um, therefore, that's a ticking time bomb. Um, so to mitigate that, to, to actually enable people to see that, that there is definitely a better option is, well, first of all, you rightly say, see what you already have. Mm-hmm. So find that first. So you do that. Nine out of 10 people think, oh gosh, I didn't know it was that much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like, oh. Uh, that was only a couple of years of employment there. Oh, that's ten thousand pounds. Yes, mm-hmm. because there for a while it's been growing. So yeah. there you go. So you've combined them all together. You've got that clear balance. In the case of pension B, uh, that your account's attached to a calculator, so then actually projects. Okay, so you, Jasper, you're now forty-one. So when you retire at sixty-seven, or you want to move that to sixty-five or to seventy, whatever you want, this is what you what your pot will be worth, and that will give that will sustain you until. This age. Yep. And you've and in nine out of ten cases, after the initial surprise about, whoo, I've got so much money, yeah. um, it's like, oh, but it doesn't bring that doesn't give me a really good retirement, is it? Uh-huh. So that's when the contribution side comes in. Mm-hmm. And the, aside from making those personal contributions we've talked about with the tax relief, for the self-employed, there's actually an additional benefit, especially when you are a limited company. Okay. And it can make contributions from your limited company, uh, from your business bank account. Um, because pension contributions to the staff is an allowable business expense in that sense. Mm-hmm. So you can lower your tax bill you pay uh, as a company. Mm-hmm. So again, what we see at the end of the tax year is that um, when, you are, when you are self-employed and you have a limited company, um, you've, done the book, you've done the bookkeeping or through an accountant or you've done it yourself. And then actually you can, offs- um, uh, some of the profits you've made, uh, people offset it just before the end of the tax year into their okay. pension. Yeah, yeah. Lower bill yep. and that's perfectly fine and that's exactly what the government wants you to do because mm. and 
you need to save for retirement. Yeah. So when it comes to that, I think that's one key thing. If you are self-employed and you are looking to set up a pension, first of all, um, any pension provider that allows you to transfer easily is, is quite a good start. Absolutely. Um, two, does that company allow you to make contributions, not just from your personal bank account, or does it also allow you to make contributions from a limited bank account mm-hmm. or limited company if you are a limited company? And third, and I think, again, it's often very well misunderstood, how easy is it to put money in? Um, there's certain pension companies where, again, you have to fill out paper forms. Uh-huh. 20, guys. Like, uh, <laughs> I, have, I have a mobile app for my bank, so why is that so difficult? Yeah. A lot of pension providers, fortunately, have an app or a, a website where you can set up one-off or regular contributions. And mm-hmm. again, can't stress this more importantly, one-off contributions, sometimes it's made really difficult by pension companies, but self-employed have an irregular income stream. So you actually want to make contributions when you've actually been paid by your... Very, uh, very true. Yeah. Um, so then it's kind of like payday, right? Mm-hmm. So that's when you put your money in. So any pension company that makes it easy for you to do that, for me, that's a big tick box. Tick, yeah. Now, of course, I can tell that pension people do that. Of course we do. Uh, but there are also many other companies around that will allow you to do that. Hmm. And whilst we're talking about self-employed, are there any tips that you can give self-employed people who know that they need to be paid into a pension, but they're worried about things like cash flow? Uh, when it comes to self-employed, um, and you know, especially when you have an irregular income stream, there will be days when the, when you're when you have to be careful with how much you spend, mm-hmm. and there will be when suddenly uh, two clients pay the invoice on the same day when it's like you know double whammy. Yeah, um, I always say pay yourself first. So make sure that you are if you have debt, pay, uh, that's the time to pay it off. Uh, if you have a, a, a savings account, a pension, all of that stuff matters. So pay yourself first before you pay somebody else. And I think. Um, um, when you are employed, you get your monthly paycheck. So that rules should apply for you when you're getting paid. Mm-hmm. Pay yourself before you pay anything else. Anybody else with a self-employed, that might be a more irregular occurrence. But try to do it every time an invoice gets paid. Don't put it off and put money into various boxes, mm-hmm. uh, areas, which is really helpful. Mm. Guys, I hope you found value in this episode. Like I said at the top of the show, this is something that is very, very close to my heart. I watched my dad panic about not having a pension way, way too late into his life. And it caused him stress. It caused him anxiety. It caused my mum stress and anxiety as well. And it was certainly a point of learning for me. And Jasper's spoken a lot about the benefits. And what I wanted to do is just spend a few minutes just to recap some of the really important stuff that I hope that you've taken away. First and foremost, if you are an employee within a business, you have to opt in to your workplace pension. Not doing so is basically robbing yourself of free money from your employer and free money from the government. There is no other time that the government is going to give you free money. They want you to save into a pension. They're incentivizing you to do so. Second, 18% 18% of self-employed people pay into a pension. Guys, we we can do better than this. You don't want to spend your life building a business to know that you don't have a pension at the end of it. And yes, there are pressures of, you know, cash flow. Right now, 
with this outbreak, lockdown, that is an immediate pressure. Many people may be worried about how their business survives. Please do consider how you set up a pension for yourself, thinking about what's going to happen later on in life. Thirdly, consolidation. If you've worked for a business or businesses in prior years, there is nothing to lose by checking to see how much you have in your pension pot already amassed during your career already. And I want to leave you with a story from when I was advising. I met a client who was age 62. She wanted to retire, but she didn't think she had enough money. She was actually going to work to age 65 because that's when her pension kicked in, even though by her, by her own words, she was tired. She wanted to like stop, put her feet up and just relax and just spend time with the grandkids, but she couldn't because she didn't think that she had enough. And I started to ask and said, well, look, have you worked in any other previous business? She worked at four other places. And lo and behold, we wrote away, got the information back, and she had £200,000, £200,000 in pension pots with previous employers that she knew nothing about. And as Jasper alluded, you can take 25% of whatever pension you amass completely tax-free. She took £50,000, paid off a credit card that she had, and she helped grandkids and children with some money went on a holiday and retired three years earlier at 62 not 65. This can make a huge difference to you so please consider it you've got nothing to lose. Now obviously guys the purpose of the podcast is to provide you with information education so that you can make the best financial decisions possible. When you are in a pension it is still an investment therefore the value will always go up always go down your capital is at risk please do not take any of this as personal financial advice i do not know your personal circumstances this is for education purposes only i want to give a big thank you to jasper and pension b for coming on the show this week i really really do appreciate the time if you do want to check out pension b and use them for anything that we've mentioned on this podcast i will leave a link in the show notes below until